0: Hey everyone, welcome to our series covering the book of Hosea. Before we jump in, we wanted to offer a quick word about the sensitive nature of this book.
1: Hosea is full of really intense imagery um, and often pretty sexual imagery. So if you're listening with your family or with kids, you might want to be a little careful.
0: Yeah, we're not going to get crazy explicit, but you just might want to use discretion when uh, diving into this book with us. But we're excited to preach Christ out of it and go through the book of Hosea with you. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus,
0: and this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are in Hosea 4 and 5 today, right, Seth? And what's Hosea 4 and 5 all about?
1: We're looking kind of at how deeply paganized Israel's worship becomes. Mm. Like, we talked about spiritual adultery in the introduction podcast. And so for the next eight chapters, Mm -hmm. we're just shown how dark Israel's spirituality actually has become. And really the only pieces of good news we're given is that well? If they hit the bottom, the Lord they'll call out to the Lord, mm-hmm. and the Lord will rescue. Um, and that kind of is important to know for us because it kind of proves that there's like no dark place uh, that our friends, ourselves, mm-hmm. our family can go that is beyond God's ability to bring them back. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where we're going. We're going dark today. Dark today, <laughs> so that we can experience the light of God's goodness a little yeah. bit more.
0: Okay. Awesome. And yeah. so. Yeah, chapter 4 opens pretty dark, Yes, and God brings a charge against his people. This is like courtroom lawsuit language, and God brings a charge against his people, Israel. Um, Hear the word of the Lord, O
1: children of Israel. And by the way, children of Israel, you should Hmm. be thinking, we have this whole category of a whore mother with her whore children, and Hosea's marriage to her and these sign children speaking to them, so like right. hear children of Israel, these adopted children of the whore, like hear this.
0: Right, and it's a double entendre, right? Yes. Meaning, as as my sign children are talking to these children of whoredom, it's right. the same thing as me being the Hosea, being the mouthpiece of God speaking to Israel yes. as a as a nation. And you
1: should probably just have that in the back of your mind because mm-hmm. Hosea's marriage kind of doesn't come up again.
0: Yeah, it kind of dissipates into the background. Right. Yeah. You only
1: get it in hints like this. When right. You hear children of Israel. You're like, oh, right. There's oh, a metaphor going on. There's a metaphor going on and that metaphor is really intense. So yeah. that's what's yeah. happening. And yeah. Then,
0: and so what he, the charge he brings against them is very wide sweeping, right?
1: He's a controversy with the inhabitants of the <laughs> land. <laughs> and he says, uh,
0: there is... No faithfulness. There's no love. There's no acknowledgement of God in the land. You know, the only thing there is in the whole land. There's only cursing, lying, murder, stealing, and adultery. There's only breaking God's Ten Commandments. That's all there yes. is.
1: And bloodshed follows bloodshed. Yes, which in in the Hebrew says murder touches murder. Oh, that's better. It's so much better. <laughs> it's better writing. Because the idea <laughs> is like there is like no gap gap in between the murders. It's just constant. As bullshit.
0: soon as as soon as the police have arrived on the, on the scene of one murder, yeah. someone gets shot across the street.
1: That's exactly right. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And you should. so you said the word love, the word is steadfast love uh-huh. or covenant love right. or hesed, hesed, which in the first three chapters we were reminded of is a call back to Mount Sinai mm-hmm. and the Ten Commandments. And so, what do we have when he starts listing off?
0: They break. They're breaking the Ten Commandments.
1: Murder, lying, stealing, committing adultery. Yep. Like it's all there. He's saying this is the charge, right. Israel. And You're and like, wrong. and these
0: aren't just synonyms. Three of the six that he mentions um, are the actual exact same Hebrew word that are in the Ten Commandments. So he's m- intentionally pulling
1: on that. Yes, yeah. and uh, Jesus picks up on the same list in the Sermon oh. on the Mount. Swearing oh, false oaths, my goodness. making false oaths, lying, murdering, stealing, committing adultery. My, my mind. <laughs> not stealing. He doesn't mention stealing, but bearing false witness, murder, and committing adultery, all things Jesus talks about in his Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. I
0: mean, he kind of touches on stealing with like how you store up treasure in heaven or not. He does. Like, That's he touches right. on yeah, yeah. using money. Yeah. Isn't well, that crazy? I, now I'm just like spiraling <laughs> on the implications of that, why Jesus would use that Well, we list. talked
1: about last time. I mean, it's the covenant list. It's a covenant yeah, yeah, yeah. love list going back to uh, Mount Sinai right. when God first married Israel. So he's just pulling on the same prophetic tradition that Hosea was. Right. We talked the first podcast that Jesus is a new Hosea. Mm-hmm. And like Things like this just prove that point a little bit further.
0: Whoa. Man, I'm uh. sorry. I was like, okay, maybe, we'll, maybe I can come back to that later. The other thing I noticed as I was reading this like... Uh, there, there is no good in the land and bloodshed follows bloodshed and then the land dries up and everyone dies. You know, yeah. it's like the, those all who live waste away, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea are all swept away. I'm like, this sounds a lot like Genesis six, yeah, right? With it's like this long line of murder and like blood, oh, blood being yeah. spilt, you know, and then God looks out and, man's heart is evil all the time there's no one who does good and then the flood comes and right. sweeps everyone away it's like, an, sounds like the the like earliest parts of the fall that precipitated the yeah, flood
1: it's an act of uncreation yes so israel right. has broken the commands that made them a nation So God is uncreating them. He's uncreating the very world that the land that they're supposed to be on as a nation. He's devolving it into Mm -hmm. chaos.
0: So there's two really important things there with this uncreation of the land. One being this big metaphorical tie we're we're, we're both trying to make back to the Garden of Eden Mm -hmm. and the flood, where um, sin uh, breaks creation. Like I don't think we see it that way so often. Like sin upsets yeah. god or right. it breaks his when law Israel, when adam know? and
1: eve thought they were doing what was right in their own eyes right they took what looked good to them mm-hmm. the world decreated right like it,
0: thorns and thistles started yes. coming up like it, it affects biology sin affects yeah. biology in the world the way it functions so like there, there's this decreation of the land that's going on but it also ties into and really importantly for this passage it ties into the covenant the law of the, the marriage between God and Israel that started in Exodus on Mount Sinai where the Ten Commandments were given. And there God told them that, like, you need to obey my law, and if you don't, I will remove you from the land. Yep. And so all of that is coming together. Uh, both Exodus and Genesis are being turned backwards. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's exactly right. And then the next verse, chapter 4, says... Uh, And now, depending on your translation, this will be translated a couple different ways, and we'll try to talk about both ways. It says, and so the ESV says, yet let no one contend, and let none accuse, for with you is my contention, O priest. Mm -hmm. And then you have the NIV in front of you. Yeah, it
0: says, but let no one bring a charge, let no one accuse another, for your people are like those who bring charges against a priest.
1: Right, so on the the side of this being the priest, so it's, it's kind of confusing. It's confusing, but here's the idea: the world is being uncreated, mm-hmm. and the people are coming to the priests and saying, "Why is our world falling apart? We're doing everything right." Right. And they say, "You're not. Do- well, you keep telling us to do something, but we're not going to listen to you anymore. Mm-hmm. What you're telling us to do is wrong." And they refuse to listen to the people that are supposed to mediate God's covenant. The, the priests. priests. were supposed to tell the people how to live and stay in the land, and mm-hmm. they're saying our world's falling apart you're telling us to do wrong things we're not going to listen to you anymore
0: right and and you're so you're saying the ESV translation is saying like
1: the opposite, almost. Oh, the opposite of that. Okay. The NIV is saying The NIV is, the NIV saying, is that saying
0: they're like those who bring charges against the priest. They're coming and saying, like, God's way of doing things that you're mediating aren't working. Right. So we're going to run after bail and see yes. if he can fix it.
1: And in the law, Deuteronomy 17 says if you contend with the priests, mm-hmm. you should expect death. Oh, okay. So, like, the what they're experiencing and mm-hmm. what they're trying to contend with and, like, argue their way out of in court... Mm-hmm isn't going to work. It's right. going to end up earning them the same thing they're already receiving. I see. And but so it could
0: also be a euphemistic way of saying like, um, they're like those who contend with priests is like saying like, they're like a man on death row because yeah. a, a person, it, they're like a man who sticks his head in the mouth of a lion. Yes. His jaws are going to snap.
1: That's exactly right. You know what
0: I mean? Like it yes. could just be like, you, you, you're about to get what's coming to you. So right. what's the, what's the flip side of this? The thing? other
1: way to say it is, uh, for you, let no one contend, let no one accuse, for with you is my contention, O priest.
0: Oh, okay. So God's like, like, uh, the, my, my problem with Israel is the priesthood itself. Not the,
1: not the people who are accusing the priests of doing wrong, mm-hmm. but the priests who are teaching wrong. Right. So, it's a
0: top-down systemic issue.
1: Right. So there is no knowledge of God in the mm-hmm. land. And so yeah. The priests were supposed to communicate and teach the people the covenant. Right. So there's a problem. The priests are not doing what they're supposed to do to be doing. Mm-hmm. They're not teaching the people the law. And so what's going to happen? The people are going to be destroyed.
0: Right. Because they're disobeying the law. Right. Because they don't know the law, which is why it says "My" in verse 6 of chapter 4, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge.
1: That's right. Right. And you've rejected knowledge. And I have rejected you from being a priest to me. Mm-hmm. And now that can go both ways. Ex- exactly. So if there is a priest who's neglecting to do his duty and teach the people the law, God's saying, You're no longer my priest. You've abdicated your responsibility to teach the law of the land. So you're no longer my priest. Get out of my presence. Mm -hmm. Or it goes back to the promise God also made on Mount Sinai that the whole nation would be priests and the whole nation would mediate God's blessing to the entire world. Mm -hmm. And God's saying to them, you guys will not be mediate my blessing to the world. You will experience wasteland. You'll experience desolation. You'll have nothing but the wilderness in which... I first called you. Right. That's all you'll have. Yeah. Either way, the point of these chapters is to show that the covenant breaking, like this, the the st- they're breaking the laws of steadfast love that God set up on Sinai, mm-hmm. and we're just seeing how dark it is on both sides of the equation, in the leadership and among the people. And it says this verse seven: the more they increased, the more they sinned against me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that made me think of?
0: Uh, uh no.
1: Egypt. They were great, and they multiplied, and they uh-huh. increased in number right. daily. And it was a sign of God's blessing right? because they increased under persecution. Mm. But now they're experiencing actually a, a period of unprecedented growth in Israel. This right. is Israel's golden age, remember? Yeah. But now the more they increase, the more they sin. Mm. Yeah. The more they're earning yeah. punishment.
0: One of the commentators I read, Stuart, he talked— it's, I see if I can get this right. It was a little confusing when I read it. Let's see if I can get this right. So he talked about how there's this cycle of like— selfish multiplication happening in the religious economy okay. of Israel. So the cultic, the fertility cult of Baal worship, yeah. right? That was being propagated by the priests of Israel was saying, come in, sleep with prostitutes. Let's be fruitful. Let's bear more children, right? Because then the more children we build, uh, the more children we build, the more children <laughs> we I build, a child. I build a child, the more children we have, um, the more um, then people that will have that can pay taxes to the king and that will pay, like, to come and have access to our prostitutes, and will work our land. Uh, okay, right, yeah, 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 and yeah. so like they keep growing, but then what do you get, like, uh, and so like so the kings end up protecting the priesthood because yes. they are growing their kingdom and increasing their treasury and fattening the pockets of the priests. But then what happens as more and more people are brought into this evil practice of cultic Baal worship, their sin is literally exponentially increasing because every nine months you have more people (laughs) you know inculcated in this sin yeah so it's also like yes it's like it's definitely a theological way of saying things like guys your sin is just multiplying it's getting worse and worse every second but also it's like the more people you produce inside of this wicked system the more people there are to sin
1: yeah and the more wealth they had yes that's the right. more sin there came. And again, what's one of the main messages of Jesus about money being the root of all evil, right. being a place in mm-hmm. which like it's difficult to get into the kingdom of God. Yep. Like We're seeing that play out in Israel's history. Their golden yep. age is also the age marked by most spiritual adultery. Well, and that's,
0: that's the exact problem God said would happen in Deuteronomy, in the law. He said that when you go into the land, be careful because once you have wealth and once everything is good for you, you will forget me and then you'll lust after the other gods and then I'll kick you out of the land. Like in the law itself, it was predicted that wealth would precipitate the downfall of Israel. Yeah. And now it's happening.
1: Now it's happening. Yeah. And it's just getting worse. Mm -hmm. Verse nine. And it shall be like people like priests. As bad as the people are, the priests are just as bad. Right. Everybody in the system is totally corrupted. Right, which you don't
0: want. You would hope like, well, man, the people are bad, but the the priesthood is still good. It's like, nope.
1: (laughs) I thought about it. I I think a good analogy is actually slavery, like Mm -hmm. American slavery, in the way that both the people of the time, the pastors in the pulpit, and the kings, the the presidents of our nation, Mm -hmm. all were complicit in one another in keeping slavery legal. Right. And you actually couldn't have one without the other. If the Mm -hmm. people started revolting against it, the people they would have stopped but they were mm-hmm. all feeding off one another to have injustice where, where was all of america's wealth coming from slavery that's right so like on the backs mm. of slaves we gained wealth and on the backs of idolatry right. israel got wealthier as well yeah and that practice is earning for it right the desolation that's coming. right
0: I, I think that is a good analogy as hard as it is to think about that it's like but it's true because like i think for israel it, it, the more implicated they become in the system, the wealthier they get, the harder it is to walk away from because yes, it's like the, the more money this puts in my pocket, the harder it is for me to walk away from. Cause how could I say no to all of this wealth? Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is why it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a, uh, a camel's hair to fit through the eye of a needle,
1: which is kind of what verse 10, the next verse gets at, mm. they're going to eat, but not be satisfied. They're going to play the whore, but not multiply. Why? Right. Because they've forsaken the Lord. They're gonna have more and more and more mm-hmm. more sexual experiences, more food, and it's gonna diminishingly return to them. Right. They're not gonna get what they're hoping from. Yeah. It.
0: And I think like there that's existential and practical, probably. Yes. Because part of the covenant was you will your your children will die in childbirth. Yes. And you your crops will dry up and there will be drought in the land. And so like yeah, I think it's an existential like, man, why isn't this satisfying me?
1: But it's also In Israel's case, literal. Literal, Their birth rates were probably dropping during this time.
0: Yeah. Uh, Something else I just want to go up and and point out in verse 7, which is just interesting uh, little statement. And I know there's a a translation issue with it. as it is with a lot of Hosea, <laughs> uh, but it says in, in the NIV, it says, "The more priests there were that we just talked about this, the more they sinned against me. They exchange. Oh, sorry, uh, verse eight. Sorry, verse eight. Yes, they feed on the sins of my people and relish their wickedness." Mm-hmm. Is what the NIV says, and it's like this picture of people bringing, you know, because in in, the, in Leviticus the idea was that you would bring your sin offering mm-hmm. and you would give your portion to the Lord and, as an offering, and that would make you and God okay. Yep. and the priest as the facilitator of that would take a portion for him and his family and that's how he would eat that day yes right and so um he benefited from the sacrifice, yes. right? But here it's become so corrupted that people are relishing in people's wickedness, calling them wicked, like trying to get them to yes. repent more and more, but not because they need to repent.
1: Because they want more food. They want
0: more food and more money. And so uh, Stuart, the commentator I was reading, he said like, this is the equivalent of Old Testament indulgences. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you'll remember, like something right. that started the, the the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther was the Catholic church was basically selling salvation for money. And you could buy salvation for those in purgatory with money. And it's like, that's what's happening here. So like, they're like, man, I love it when people come to me and they're really messed up and they're really wicked. I relish that. Why? Because I can get more money out of it.
1: It also reminds me of the slavery analogy, Mm. pre antebellum South. As a pastor, you wouldn't want to speak up against slavery because what would happen? Your donors, the people giving their tithes to church would dry up. Right. And then the people didn't want to give up their slavery because why? That's how they ate that day. Mm-hmm. There's like that complicit messed up system where the people are sinning and the priests are making money off of it. So the priests won't call out the sin of the people and the people won't give up their sin.
0: Totally. I mean, you can bring it closer to home than that, right? You can bring it like really close. Like, like I think that happens today. Yeah. Like we have churches today that don't want to offend their people by calling sin, sin. Because like, oh, we'll get smaller numbers and then I'll have to fire our media pastor. Yes. Right? <laughs> like that still happens today. Like yeah. we have people who are leading our churches who just won't mm-hmm. like call sin, sin. Or yeah. like or like they won't like remind people of the law yeah. of God or preach the Bible because they're right. scared it's going to dwindle their numbers. The
1: pastors won't call out sin because accommodating for sin is part of the way they stay in business. Mm -hmm. And the people, this goes back to like the dual meaning, the people themselves are feeding off of sin because they believe that's what's going to bring them satisfaction and joy. Mm -hmm. And so they go to churches that... Sadists don't confront them. Yeah,
0: but just make them feel better. Make them feel better, and then they go out and they they, they feed on sin more that week. They yes. come back and they feel better, and it's a cycle, right? And
1: the pastors feed on their sin that week. That's right, in the form of their donations. Exactly. Yes.
0: Okay, I paid I paid my tithe to the church. I heard the good sermon on Sunday morning. Now mm-hmm. I can go sin some more, come back, and then it's all fixed, and I'm still okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's dark. That's dark.
1: But and that's and so again, like, what's the what's happening in chapters four through six? Or four through five seven is what's happening is we're being painted a picture of the deep darkness of Israel's covenant breaking. Right, and it's happening on both ends of the spectrum.
0: Yep, and God and yeah, and it's, and again to frame it, God has brought Israel into court. Yes. And he's laying out the evidence against them. That's why it's so dark right now, is it's mm-hmm. like, this is that part where it's like, exhibit A, and it's like that gruesome photo of the crime scene. You're like, oh, ah, yeah. that's gross. And it just goes on and on, exhibit B, exhibit C, exhibit yeah. D. And it's like, can I stop looking at these crime photos for a little bit? And it's like, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> There's, There's more evidence against you. And so we're in a court case right now, yeah. and it's just a bunch of evidence piling up. And that's why it's so dark.
1: And as I think we said it already, but it's not until chapter 8, verse 11, when we get another message of hope. Right. It's all evidence against Israel why they deserve what, what they're getting. Yeah, totally. Uh, verse 12. Okay. Verse 12. We promise we will get to Jesus soon. Yes. Uh, I but, I, I, uh, I was about uh, to say that. I was like, I need Jesus right now. But the, the sin of the people is, is worse. So not only is, is there this kind of like idolatrous codependency between... The priesthood and the people. The priesthood and the people. But the people are just kind of idolaters in general. Yes. And kind of like dim-witted idolaters. Yeah. Like they're like kind of my people inquire of a piece of wood and their walking staff gives them oracles. Why? <laughs> because a spirit of whoredom has led them astray and they have left their God to follow a whore. Um, yes. They sacrifice the top of mountains and burn offerings on the hills under oaks and poplars and terebinth trees because why? The shade under those trees is good. So therefore your daughters play the whore and right. your bride's committed There's worry.
0: so many interesting things in this. Like the lang- the, the, you have to remember when you're reading the prophets, a lot of times you're reading very poetic language. And so like if you just take a minute to pick it apart, you realize what they're saying. So like for instance, it's like, okay, this idea of they consult a wooden idol you know, or they consult a piece of wood you know, mm-hmm. is, is like Isaiah kind of says that kind of stuff. He does. You yeah. know, it's it's very similar. Like you guys know you're worshiping a piece of wood, right? And you're going to burn it over there. And now it's like God yeah. to you. Right. I don't yeah, get that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But then he takes it a step further where it's like, okay, so if that piece of wood you're going to consult as your God, how about your walking stick? Why don't you ask it to tell you the future? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> it's just like, that's yeah.
0: just funny. It is funny. Like it's funny. And He's he's being satirical here.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of irony in Hosea and Satire, you're right. Yeah,
0: and then the the sacrificing, yeah, they're sacrificing on top of mountains, which were traditionally high places where the gods would meet humans. Mm-hmm. But then he starts listing types of trees. You know, he's like, okay, they they do it under the oaks and the poplars and the terebinth. It's like, it's people have like tried to figure out like, oh, is there specific meaning? And it's like, no. If it's they're doing it everywhere. Yeah, It's just that, that kind of tree, this kind of tree. They're doing it everywhere. And then you kind of brought it up in the way yeah. you read that. It's yeah. like, why why are you going over there to sacrifice that false god? Don't you know the one true god is in Israel? What are you doing? It's like, but the shade's really nice. And it's like, that's your excuse? Like, right. It's the worst excuse for idolatry I've ever heard. But it's like, oh, I don't know. That church is really close by. You know, like right. yeah, yeah. the church is within driving distance. It's just, yeah. it's really convenient Which for us. The there. reason I like my church, but yeah, but mind. you know, <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, like yes, yes. we, we, it's, it's giving reasons of convenience, really yeah. minor convenience for huge apostasy. Yeah.
1: I, I wrote in my notes It said like the Israel's worshiping. Worshipping anything that's useful to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And utility is the only yes. way in which, like, that's how they determine what's spiritual. Is it useful? For right. Me? I mean, that's the
0: whole reason Baal got into their worship in the first place, because Baal worship was useful. They thought it increased their crop yields. Yeah. Right. And it helped diplomacy with the Canaanites. So, like, their spirituality has become mercenary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which is like, very i feel like we're doing all the like the old testament to modern connections (laughs) we need to get jesus in the middle very soon but another one is like we do this it's just like religion is helpful insofar as it's practical
1: yeah i think there's a guy named christian smith he did this huge study about like the average belief of the so-called like average christian Mm -hmm. in uh the states and he called it moralistic therapeutic deism yes i don't know like it's basically what what does christianity offer what is christianity about and most people say well do good works moralistic make me feel better therapeutic uh and god's kind of far away and give me give me a sense of a higher power and give me a sense of a higher deism deism and that's all christianity was to them it's something that told them the right thing to do and made them made feel them, better made them feel better connected to something bigger themselves and but they could also ignore it, do what they want right which is kind of like
0: this the state of right. israel which, yeah because deism is the idea that yeah god exists but he doesn't connect with us at all he's yeah, standoffish he's super he's, he's yeah. he wound divine. up the clock and let yep. it go that's right yeah so anyway but, yeah
1: great uh verse 14 is just really interesting to note yeah this one's this one is it's more irony i think i will not punish your daughters when they play the whore nor your brides when they commit adultery. It's like, oh, is there like a little hope here? Like, oh, he's not going to punish? Because the men themselves go aside with (laughs) prostitutes and sacrifice with cult prostitutes and people without understanding shall come to ruin. I think what's happening here is kind of the same complicit system that we saw between the priests and the people. Mm -hmm. The men of Israel are trafficking their daughters and the other people's women into the cult prostitute rings so they can have sex with them. So there's a sense in which these women are prisoners yes and god's saying i i know these women are prisoners i'm not going to punish them but i am going to punish the leaders responsible so i think that could be part of what's going on Mm. do you have another layer to add to that
0: yeah uh i thought i thought some some people brought up a good point where it's like um it, it it's it's hard to understand like the complete destruction of israel and her people and you know especially other prophets will talk about like women and children and mm-hmm. everybody being inculcated in, in this destruction um it's like how can god destroy everyone but not the women you know it's like mm-hmm. it's just a point i think when i read it like i think what's happening is like um a comparison of graders where it's like you think it's the women who are to blame; they're the prostitutes yeah but it's like no you guys are the ones going and sleeping with them mm, like <laughs> right you want to you want to pass blame but there's a bigger sin going on here and so it's like, no, I'm not. It's not. I'm not just going to focus on the the harlots. You 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 want to think it's their problem. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. the ones going in and sleeping with them, making them harlots. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's trying to like get one gender off and right. accuse another. I think it's more of like, yeah, that's wicked, but don't blame mm-hmm. them. Like you want to try to blame the priests. Blame yourselves. You're the ones yeah. complicit in this system too. That kind of
1: fits too with the way that the rest of the passages have just yeah. been working back and forth with each other. Like, yeah, like, okay, yeah, I get it. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Okay, in verse 15. Uh, we're almost to the end of Israel's whoring <laughs> <laughs> for today. <laughs> Though they play the whore of Israel. Let not Judah become guilty. Enter not into Gilgal, nor go up to Beth Aven and swear not as the Lord lives.
0: Right. So you remember this is there's this divided kingdom, and he's like, okay, northern kingdom of Israel has committed adultery. Judah, southern kingdom, where Jerusalem is, where the temple is, like, don't become guilty of the same thing. Do not go up into places like Gilgal or Beth Aven, because like this is where all of this idol worship started. Yeah. And it's like, just don't go near it. You know, it, it almost sounds like yep. the writer of Proverbs, you know, he's like. Just like, don't follow in the way of Lady Folly. You
1: know? yeah. yeah, Bethel was a place where Jeroboam set up the two golden calves. And then Beth-Avon is a play on Bethel's name. Beth-Avon means the house of evil. Oh, does ESV say
0: Be- Bethel?
1: It says Beth-Avon.
0: Oh. oh, okay. What's Gil- okay? I, Gilgal. Gilgal is
1: another just important place yeah, in yeah, Israel's yeah. history. Okay. So these Got are just significant places in Israel's history. Right. Gilgal was the center command, the central command for like the Conquest the yes, promised land. Right. Yes. Um, there was a temple or a sanctuary uh, yeah, there at one mm-hmm. time. Right. Uh, and it's
0: like, and he's saying, like, one of the one of the core um, laws in the covenant was that there should be no place of sacrifice other than the temple. Right. Like you, like you, you don't go anywhere else to to to, to sacrifice. Yeah. You don't go. You just don't do that. It's punishable by death. Right. And he's like, so don't go anywhere else and be like, as surely as the Lord lives, which is like a covenantal ceremony. Yes. Like, keep it. You, Judah, stay there with the temple.
1: That place where their offerings are is the house of evil. Yeah. Beth Avon, the, the house of don't evil. Don't go there. Yeah. Um, but like a stubborn heifer, Israel is stubborn, which goes mm-hmm. back to the wilderness. They're like a cow. It's, they're stiff-necked cows. Yeah. They Not
0: became cool. like the
1: idols they built. And then the, another piece of satire, can the Lord now feed them like a lamb in broad pasture? Like Right. The idea is like, well, normally a shepherd is a kind person who cares mm-hmm. for his sheep. These people are so disobedient, so rebellious. God's just going to let them wander in the wilderness.
0: Right. Another way I heard it explained was like from like a, those familiar with like livestock where it's like a heifer, a stubborn heifer would need to be fenced in. Mm-hmm. You know? It right. was like, I wish I could just take you out in the open field and we could graze and it'd be great. Oh. But instead I have to fence you in because you're in dumb cow. <laughs> you know? Uh It's I thi- funny. It is
1: funny because I I think uh, I got the picture of like <laughs> that moment, like with Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. When like they set, like, set they Get, get don't you out of here. Can't you see? I don't want you anymore. I think that might be a part of it, too. It's like God's <laughs> taking his lambs to the edge of the wilderness and saying, I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. And he's walking away and he, ha- he has to leave because mm-hmm. of their rebellion. It goes back to like, anyway, the point is it's bad. Right. The point is it's bad. Yep. Either way,
0: Ephraim, I- Israel is completely compromised. they have joined themselves to idols you know verse seventeen says mm-hmm. like I mean that is like sexual language. they have yep, they have intercoursed with idols and now you know as the, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians you right, know in my notes, oh yeah, yeah it's the same thing like yeah.
1: don't you know joining with a prostitute is joining Christ to a prostitute like yeah. you what? become one with you her flesh one, right. so like
0: they are idols now which goes back to calling them stubborn cows like mm-hmm. you they've become like the golden calves they built and and so god is speaking to Judah here saying like so don't come near them yeah yeah uh even when verse 18 even when their drinks are gone they continue their prostitution their rulers dearly love shameful ways it's like, okay, when we can't, when, when all the wine's gone, when, when the rum's gone. When the rum's gone. And we can't get drunk anymore, we just, let's just go have sex with more prostitutes. It's yeah. like, when I can't be debaucherous, I'll be adulterous. Uh, it's like murder touches murder. Yes. You know? There's like
1: no gap between the sin Israel's committing. Yeah. And verse 19 kind of concludes it. A wind has wrapped them in its wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. A wind has wrapped them in its wings. It essentially means there's a force of destruction coming a windstorm a sandstorm is coming and it's unstoppable who can stop a sandstorm who can stop the winds wrapped in wings no one Mm. you will be destroyed because of your covenant unfaithfulness yeah that's what's happening in chapter four (laughs) okay
0: so we need to get to jesus because i'm very sad
1: (laughs) yeah where is the gospel in a passage like this yeah one of the things we talk about behind the scenes uh, now in front of the scenes uh, is just finding the native fall and mm-hmm. the native gospel. Yeah. How is the text inviting us to think about ourselves and how do we, in this passage in particular, and how does the gospel address that particular need? Mm-hmm. So if you were going to talk about like the native fall here, we've talked about a lot of things, the complicity, yeah. complicity between priests and people, the just yes. idolatry in general whoring sexual infidelity like
0: yeah uh i mean so one of the one of the things i just really like pops out to me is this idea of a lack of knowledge my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge i also rejected you Mm -hmm. as my priests and um i'm like i think that we a natural fall there is like we reject knowledge. We, we reject knowledge of God, what he wants. It goes, it's the, it's the same sin as Adam and Eve, right? Like, like God said, here's what you need to know. Dwell with me in my garden, be fruitful and multiply, tend it and keep it. Don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We want knowledge for ourselves. We want to define good and evil on our own terms instead of just coming to God's word, (laughs) submitting to it and like knowing what God wants us to know Mm -hmm. And instead we reject that and we seek after things that we think will bring us pleasure, things that we think will fill us, that we think will satisfy us both um, like physical, but also like spiritual. Yeah. You know, we think there are certain religious practices that will get us what we want and we're mercenary with them the way that these people are anyway. So I'm just like, I think like when we ignore the will of God revealed in the Bible, we do it to our own destruction.
1: I mean, Paul says it almost exactly that way. He says like, we suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. We right. don't have knowledge. Accurate. We suppress the true knowledge about God. Where is that? Uh, Romans 1. Oh, I was hoping so because
0: yeah. that he also pulls on Hosea 4 here. Oh, he does? Yes. He talks about uh, tr- tr- turning your glory into shame.
1: Oh, yeah. That's Which a, is Hosea 4. That's Hosea 4. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: And so, like, for them, it was like, you had the glorious God, Yahweh, as your God, and you exchanged him for a shameful idol.
1: Yeah, you you exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, yeah. and birds and animals he, and reptiles. And
0: those get repeated here in Hosea 4, too. All the, so he's pulling on Hosea 4 in, in Romans mm. 1. So,
1: yeah, Paul, Paul has discovered the native fall for Yay, us. Like, thanks, <laughs> Paul. Thanks, Paul. You knew what you were doing. We should have just asked you
0: first. And so I I think that's it. It's like we seek to trade what God has said is the good life, you know, for what we want to make up, you know, a bigger salary, a better car, you know, that's like the consumeristic version. Mm -hmm. But there's also like new age versions of that self-discovery, self-actualization, anything, you know, the best job, like something that's really satisfying to yourself. Like, man, if I could just have that type of career or this type of wife or these kinds of
1: kids. And we're like, oh, but I'm not swearing, lying, murdering, stealing, committing adultery to get there. Mm. Jesus comes back with like, well, have you lost after a woman with your heart. That's right. Have you lost after a position of authority in your heart that you don't yet have? Yep. have. You hated somebody who's above you or beneath you. Are you in your heart wishing you had something that somebody else had? That's coveting, and I'm calling that stealing. Yeah. Like there's like no getting around that we've broken the commands of love, right. the, the, the steadfast love. There's no faithfulness or steadfast love.
0: Right. Which then Paul goes on in chapter two of Romans, uh, although he's quoting Psalms, he pulls on the same idea that there is no acknowledgement of God in the land. Mm-hmm. Right. He says, there's no one righteous. No, not one in Romans two. He pulls on the same idea that Hosea is doubling yeah. down on. And so it's like, it's interesting to think about Jesus at his sermon on the Mount pulling on this list Mm -hmm. Telling us like, you guys are going after all your own idols. And I know you're devout Jews. You're out here in the wilderness listening to me because you've been waiting on the Messiah. But let me tell you something. I know you think you've kept the commands your whole life. But like, have you loved something more than me? Like, have you lusted after a woman just in your heart just a little bit? Have you wished she was your wife instead of who is your actual wife? If you have, Mm -hmm. you're a whore. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy thinking like, In that context of Jesus pulling on Hosea Mm -hmm. and spiritual adultery, like without saying so much, although he, Jesus let's spoiler alert. Jesus does call people whores in the new Testament. He calls them, it's translated adulterers in most Bibles. Yeah. And so Jesus pulls on this prophetic tradition. So it's like almost this implicit condemnation from the sermon on the Mount that Jesus come to us and just calling us harlots Mm -hmm. saying that we're spiritual adulterers. And then like, but what, what's weird is that he then comes to us and he's like, and I'm your husband. Yeah, right? That's the that's yeah. the that's the twist of the knife that just doesn't well, make sense. Well, that's
1: that's the Hosea coming to Gomer moment. Exactly. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so we have to remember in all of this, I mean, maybe this is a, an interesting way to get to the gospel here without an explicit promise of restoration. Yeah. Is that let's remember who is saying all of this? Hosea. Right. H- to whom? Gomer. His wife mm-hmm, that he has right. exorbitantly loved and sacrificed for. And like yeah. will buy and has just bought again.
1: Right. Like, I mean, it's like, yeah, he's speaking to the, his, yeah, I, he's saying this will come to you. Destitution, childlessness, yeah. famine, plague. God's presence will leave you, but I won't.
0: I'm here. I'm, I'm here. your husband. Yeah. And now Jesus is the, the faithful husband who's with us through our harlotry, who is God incarnate. Hmm who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Like he's the husband who never leaves. Yeah. Which is like crazy good. He's the husband who knows we're a whore, but refuses to ever leave.
1: Yeah. That's, it's really just beautiful imagery. And I want to like, think about it more. Yeah. But I don't know what to say anymore about Mm -hmm. it. You know, it's like, it's such a, um, I'm also thinking about just the theme of uncreation that we talked about. Yeah. okay, just the, the, Part of the curse that uh, Hosea speaks over his wife is that you will be uncreated. The place where we made our marriage vows Mm -hmm. and the land I promised you, it's just going to become a mess. Um, And I'm thinking, again, we talked about in the introduction podcast about the way that we are made new creations in Christ Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. Paul talks about giving us giving us over to our desires, giving right. us over the shameful lusts of our flesh, like he uses the same language in the way that destroys us and decreates our life. And then God promises in his son to recreate what we have decreated. Mm-hmm. Or like what he told us he would I don't know. I'm Yeah,
0: no no, no, you know, I think you're on a good track. Like we have utterly destroyed our lives. Like with our sin, the choices we've made, the relationships we've pursued, we've gotten ourselves into bad positions. And yet Jesus comes to us and he loves us like a husband, but his love is a recreation project. And he makes us new people with new identities, uh, gives us that new name that we talked yeah. about, you know, in the in another podcast. And like, and, and what he does is he actually ends up reconstituting us into the role that the people of Israel were supposed to have but failed to meet which was this kingdom of priests. They were supposed to be God's representatives on the earth. That's what a priest was. It was mediating between God and man. And the whole nation of Israel was supposed to be an entire civilization where every person's a priest Mm -hmm. because everybody is representing God to the world. They're all his image in the world.
1: Yeah, all increasing, bearing fruit, multiplying, remaking the garden in the world.
0: And now that's what Jesus does in us. First, Mm -hmm. First Peter actually calls us this kingdom of priests again. Uh, like, like Protestants believe in the priesthood of all believers, yeah. you know, that we are God's representatives here on earth. Why? Because the Holy spirit lives inside of us and is making us into the image of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So like, that's, what's crazy is not only that we're loved by God, who is our husband, but, uh, while we're a whore, you know, but right. that God makes a whore into his image. Like he takes yeah. a whore and makes him look like God.
1: She takes a whore and makes her a queen.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's the rev- it's like the reverse of what we talked about with uh, Jezebel.
1: Yes. Like she, she. Yeah, it's exactly the right. reverse of what She was
0: a whore who was pretending to be a queen.
1: Now a whore has become a queen. Right. And she is ruling and reigning the way that God always intended her to. Yeah. Um, well, that's beautiful. That is super beautiful.
0: Last, uh, well, maybe not last. Other thing I definitely want to, is there something else on that? No, thread? I want
1: to talk about like how Jesus is a better priest. That's what I want to do yeah. too. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. We talked about a lot about the deep darkness of the complicity between priests and people and how these priests are just have neglected their duty to the people. Mm-hmm. And Jesus isn't like that.
0: No. And I think it's really interesting too that we talked about how um, the priests relish in wickedness. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. hey, it's okay. You know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about your sin. Just pay me a little bit of money, and you'll be good to go. Give me a goat, and you're free to go, you know? Right. Thank you. That's great. Jesus, on the other hand, is able to call you a whore. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, like, he does not relish your sin. He weeps over it, mourns over it, pronounces the correct woes over it. He calls it for what it is. calls it for what it is. And then
1: doesn't demand a sacrifice from you.
0: Yeah. Instead, he goes and offers a sacrifice for you, which is, like, Mm -hmm. one of the things, like, the law provided for a husband to offer sacrifices for his wife at great expense to himself. Whenever she went and messed up outside of his home, the husband could buy her back. And it's like, Jesus knows what we've did wrong. Doesn't sweep it under the rug, calls it what it is and then pays for it. Hmm. Like, which is why he's the best husband. Cause it's like, you don't want a husband who like thinks you're better than you are. You know, like, right. you don't want to be like, he doesn't, loves, he doesn't love me because he doesn't really know me. If he knew that I'd been s- sleeping around, yeah, he wouldn't have bought me those flowers today. It's like, no, Jesus is a husband who says, you slept with Ben again today, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <And> he's <laughs> like, I hate that and I've paid for it and here's your flowers too. <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't, it almost sounds, it sounds scandalous because it is.
1: Right. Which it goes back to, like, why? Why would Hosea um, ever do this? Like, <laughs> like at the command of God, right? It doesn't make sense because yeah. that's legitimately the way the Lord sees us. He's a, pri- He's our husband priest, yeah, who makes, who's also God, yeah. So like these three things are kind of coming together yes. to describe the fact that He's God, describe the fact that we've broken these legal commands, describe the fact that He sees us as spiritual whores, but is bringing us back to Himself. Like, yeah, it's powerful.
0: Jesus mediates between us and God mm-hmm. in a way uh, no priest ever could.
1: Yeah. I think the other thing I've been thinking about in all this is like, what benefit is there in thinking of myself as a whore? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what, one, I think on one side like, we have like, okay, I don't want to slut shame. like right. that. Like, there's that side of things. Like, right. That's not what we're talking about. Right. But I do want to like, embody for the, a moment the sexual nature of my own sin.
0: Right. Like, uh, even, yeah, yeah, even yeah. that's
1: even the ones that aren't sexual. Totally. Like, so how do I like, I, like, I feel like there's something beneficial there that I haven't just explored enough. Yes.
0: I think, yeah, I think we, I think Hosea in the canon, in, in a really unique way, the canon of scripture, he helps us scandalize our sin in a really mm-hmm. visceral way. You know, he helps us go, like, whenever you just give your allegiance, your love, or your trust to something other than God just a little bit, it's like sleeping around on your husband or your wife. Yeah. You know, and just, I don't view sin that way. I view it as, like, uh, I view it more as, like, um, at the bare minimum, Mm -hmm. uh, like, hey, babe, sorry I didn't let you pick the show tonight. Right. You know, like a, a, well, s- a slight relational infraction.
1: We It goes back to what we said in the introduction podcast. We are so used to thinking about sin as an infraction against God's law. Right. But not an affront to his love. Right. Like an affront to God's passionate love for us. Right. Like that's what H- Jose is wanting us to get at. When you break, when you sin, it's not that you did something wrong and you got to be punished for it. It's, right. It's that, although that's part of the yes. whole, the whole yeah. thing. God is also a judge, but that's... But the, Jose wants to see like... God's a passionate lover Mm -hmm. who jealously guards the affection of his wife and wants it all for himself in a good way. In a good way. In a good way. Um,
0: Yeah. It's a good, I think it's a good mental exercise, a good spiritual exercise for people to like think about your sin as an infraction upon God's love, like as breaking God's love, as an affront to his love.
1: There, it makes me, and I think Jesus, because he lives inside of us Mm -hmm. in a way that he, he didn't live inside corporate Israel. Yes, it makes it even more scandalous. I think that's what Paul is,
0: is getting at with the uniting the members yeah, of Christ so like, to a prostitute. Do you
1: not know that you are members of mm-hmm. Christ Himself? Mm-hmm. So shall I then take the members of Christ? And I think members can mean like just an individual member, but it could also mean something like ex- as explicit as like a sexual organ, a sexual organ, and unite them with a prostitute. Shall I take the members of Christ mm-hmm. and unite them with a prostitute, man. That's even stronger than the language Hosea is using. Yes. Hosea is not going so far to say like, "When you sleep with a prostitute, do you know you're making God sleep with that prostitute yeah. too?"
0: Yeah. Yeah. The the yeah. We've talked about this before that like, uh, like as God's grace increases, so do do our sins against it. Yes. Right. Because it's like, well, now it's not. You're not just in a covenant relationship with God, right? Right. God is in you. Yeah. And so like now. It's just the infraction, like the the way you breach that love and trust. It would be like, in a way, this is a terrible metaphor, actually, theologically. But but in a way... Go on. (laughs) In a way, it's like, it would be like cheating on your fiancé versus cheating on your wife. Mm. You're one with your wife. Right. But you've made promises to your fiancé. Yeah. They're both terrible. Right. But one is worse.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, it's actually kind of helpful. Okay. Like, it's kind of, I mean, like, I get what you're saying. Like, well, God... It,
0: God was married to Israel. Right, that's but, why it breaks down theologically.
1: But it is a good, like, there is a ratcheting up of the grace. God yes. actually lives in us Yeah. to help us not be like this, yeah. uh, which is something Israel's heart never did. And this will be the last thing we say right here, but chapter 5, verse 4... Their deeds, the people's deeds, the priest's deeds, do not permit them to return to their God. They can't mm. repent. They can't say sorry. They can't come back into his presence. Right. Why? Because the spirit of whoredom is within them, mm. and they know not the Lord.
0: They can't return not because God won't accept them, but which is, I think, how I first read that, honestly. Mm-hmm. But it's they can't return because their hearts won't
1: let them. Right. And why mm. can't, won't their hearts let them? Because they don't have a priest who's willing to die for them and then give him his spirit. Right. This is what Jesus does, right? Yeah, yes. The priest is supposed to mediate God's presence. These priests have failed to do that. Mm. Miraculously so. But when Jesus comes, he as our final priest, he mediates his presence not just here on the earth for a particular sin. He does it inside of us. He replaces the spirit of whoredom mm. with a spirit of sons and daughters. And wives. And wives and yeah. husbands. I'm like, just like... I, okay, so we've talked a lot,
0: and it could be because it's such a gigantic biblical theme, and you and I have meditated a lot on the idea of the hard heart, right? Mm-hmm. You have a hard and obstinate heart that God promises to turn into a soft flesh heart that can actually beat and feel and love him again, yes. right? I've meditated on that before, mm-hmm. and I, it's one of my favorite biblical themes, you know, and G- Jesus loved it too. And I'm just like, I've never thought about my propensity you know, mm-hmm. in my fallen nature towards sin, my inclination to sin as a spirit of whoredom that I have an adulterous spirit, you know, yeah. and Jesus even said, you give an adulterous generation here. Yeah. And it's like, I've got our hearts bend towards adultery, bend towards cheating on God. uh, Like uh, prone to wonder, Lord, yeah. I feel it prone yeah. to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Like we are prone to be whores. And I've just never thought about that switch, when God gives me a new heart, mm, right? being the heart of a
1: wife. Right. What, it, what does he say in chapter 2? I'll take the name my Baal from your lips. Yes. And, and, and now you'll call me my, my husband. Why? Because our hearts are no longer whores. They're <sighs> wives. Like, we, we've been given the heart, the spirit of a wife. She's like, I've just not...
0: What a cool gift of God to be like, I love you so much that I'm going to give you a heart that can love me. Like, I'm yes. your husband, and I'm going to teach you to be my wife, which is like what Hosea is doing. Yes. He's like, you've been a prostitute for a long time. I'm going to buy you back again. This happened in verse in chapter three. Mm-hmm. He's like, and now let's just be together for a little while. We're this. We're not going to make it about sex. We're going to be abstinent for a little while. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're going to teach you right. how to be a wife.
1: Like, I think that really humanizes the soft heart thing. Yes, it does because I th- like, like it takes a long time to unlearn behaviors. Yeah. Takes a long time to unlearn a life of adultery. Yeah, a life of spiritually going half in, half out. Mm-hmm. A little bit of trust in God, a little bit of trust in something else. It's like that takes a long time to unlearn that. And really, the problem is that your heart's just wrong. Right. You need a, a new heart. And God spends the time necessary to do it for us.
0: yeah. there's like a there's like a metaphor in my yeah. head, uh, like like a romantic comedy yeah. in my head where it's like you've got, and I think this has probably been played out in dozens of movies. but you know, if you've got this you've got this lead female character, she's a, a woman of the city. You know, every every weekend she's in the club. She takes yeah. home whoever she wants.
1: It's called Pretty Woman. You know pretty, what I mean, yeah, though. Yeah. I, don't, I think it's a trope. Yeah.
0: But like, you know, she takes home whoever she wants, and she's living the life. I'll never, I'll never settle down. You know, I'm like Clooney used to be. You know, yeah. like I just, I want to be free and live and everything. And she's got the, she's got the heart of a whore. You know, like right. or like the, a free spirit, if you wanted to put it into modern terms. Yeah. You know, and then she meets this guy. And he's so good and so awesome. And just like she melts her heart and she becomes a one man woman. Yes. And she, she's, she's her heart of promiscuity and free spiritness changes into the heart of a wife. And she only has eyes for him. They get married and they're happy ever after. She never wants to go out into the clubs again. Right. Because she's been so overwhelmed by by this new lover. Yeah. And like, that's who Jesus is. He's the new lover who interrupts our scandalous romantic comedy yeah. And he just changes us to only love
1: him. So does this mean on our Hosea introduction video, it's going to like have a laugh track? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: Also, yeah. And I think we'll have to like, you know, up our, up our, um our budget to like be able to hire like Richard Greer or Perfect. Meg Ryan or, you these know, these sound like great casting decisions. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I love that idea of like, jesus coming to me as a husband so perfect that it melts my heart Mm -hmm. and makes me have eyes only for him
1: yeah that's that's (laughs) the gospel in the book uh the dark book of hosea we got (laughs) we got there he's he's still there um yeah yeah, well thanks for listening guys yeah next week we're gonna be in chapters uh six through i think eight. Okay. And we kind of move from Israel's like spiritual adultery to like the political chaos Mm -hmm. that Israel is getting itself into uh, because of their lack of faith. They're completely intertwined. But really we focus in on like the national situation of Israel, why it's just so terrible. So if you
0: want to get political, come on back next week next week. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate you and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.